black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? It's been very restful. Well, I feel like, well, I guess I did go to work this past week leading up to Christmas. But now, you know, Christmas has come and gone. We're almost in the brand new year of 2022. And I feel like I'm ready for 2022 to be here. I don't know what is in my brain. I'm like, I'm so over 2021 that I feel like I'm going to flip a switch. It's going to be 2022. And then, aha, something is going to happen and everything is going to be fine and the world's going to open back up and everybody's going to be vaccinated and the pandemic will be over and then we'll be able to live happily ever after because we survived 2021 and we're in 2022. But I know the reality of it is that's not true. But nonetheless, I'm still ready for 2021 to be over with, over with. So within my healthcare landscape, if you will. I would say probably 40% of the people that I deal with may have COVID now. (laughs) Just, I mean, like literally like two of the hospitals that I'm at, the majority of the ER staff's out because they have COVID. People have to wear shields, even uh, shields and masks, even in COVID negative rooms. Before we had to wear masks, but now we have to wear masks and shields and people cannot eat in common areas anymore, like no eating in the break rooms or anything like that, because COVID is so rampant and the Omicron variant is so contagious that it's taking staff out. So my sonographer is out with COVID. There's some sonographers out at other locations with COVID and people have their flights canceled so they can't even get back into the city. It's a hot mess right now, but I'm glad that I don't have to come back to that hot mess until 2022. Because guess what, folks? I'm off all week. I'm off and I'm excited about it. I'm excited too. I actually have been spending my time trying to recover because last week, as everybody knows, I kind of sounded like a man. I've officially been diagnosed with pneumonia, which Nicole has educated me on how I developed pneumonia. The one thing that I have learned, and this is not my learn something new, but there is a pneumonia vaccine. So get a flu vaccine. That's number one, because I'm the only one in my house that does not have a flu vaccine and I'm the only one that got sick. Get a booster shot, but don't get a booster shot while you're sick because that's not going to help you. And get a pneumonia vaccine. And in my search for both the booster and the flu shot, I've learned that you can take the flu shot and the booster shot at the same time and be perfectly okay. So when I go get my booster, I'm also going to get a flu shot. And then later on down the line, I'm going to get a pneumonia shot because let me tell you this. When you lay down and you feel like you're about to drown, like like you swallowed water the wrong way just from laying down, it kind of makes your life flash before your eyes. And then it makes you say, you know what? That's actually, Nicole, what made me go to the 
patient first because I went to go take a nap. I literally could not breathe. Like it felt like I was trying to inhale water. And I was like, yeah, time to go. So I am now recovering from pneumonia. But enough of that. How was your birthday? I was sort of in my feelings a little bit on my birthday. Oh, no, why? You know, I didn't really talk about it much, but I don't know. It dawned on me. I was up. I was cooking three in the morning. I made gumbo and cornbread dressing and greens and mac and cheese and crab bake and dirty rice. And, you know, I was doing my thing. You know, I didn't have my mama wasn't there. She went out of town for the holiday. It was just me in the kitchen doing my thing. And I will say... It was good. Like, I I can cook. Like, people forget I can cook. My husband was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize you could cook. What do you mean you didn't realize I could cook? Anyway, needless to say, I I definitely showed and told that I can cook, okay, based on this Christmas. But in the midst of all that, at like 6 in the morning, it dawned on me, 6 in the morning, Christmas morning, I'm 39. I am 39 whole years old. This is my last year of my 30s. And that may have been some of the reasons that I didn't really celebrate my birthday. I celebrate Jesus, but didn't really celebrate my birthday because I was sort of in my feelings. I was like, man, I'm 39. I feel like the year has gone by. I feel like the last two years have gone by. I feel like COVID cheated me of the last years of my 30s. And I feel some kind of way. So now I'm vowing to celebrate the whole year of 40 now. Okay. So I'm going to try to be intentional with doing things and celebrating myself and treating myself all year long to celebrate my last year in my 30s. It really wasn't a celebrated occasion. Well, we all knew that you could cook. We're glad that you reminded James that you can cook. But I would just like to say, I am sorry that you feel cheated out of your last years of your 30s, but the last two years have been kind of whack. So I'm glad that we are getting past all of this so that we can celebrate your 40th with a bang. Have we decided where we're going yet? Have we talked about this? I have not. I have not talked about this. I don't know where to go. I don't know if I should even be going anywhere. So that's the thing, Janine. Like, I really don't feel like the outside is, by the time I turn 40, we'll probably still be inside. You're rebuking that in the name of Jesus. I am going to, listen. We can't be inside for year number three. Let me tell you something. I'm willing to risk life and limb if we get to this time next year. It's just going to be what it is because I already missed a trip to Jamaica this year. I've missed it's too many trips that I'm missing that I will need to be outside by next year. I'm just saying, you know, people are already losing it. And Janine is maybe like a smidge away from losing it. But if she has to stay inside for a whole nother 365 days, that's going to be problematic. Listen, if they don't shut the country down right now, I mean, and it's not going to happen, right? Because Biden's approval rating is so low that he's scared to make a move. You know, he said that he's not doing enough. The economy sucks and they still blame it on the last shutdown, but it's going to suck even more in January because guess what? Companies going to have to close down. They're going to have to shut their door. They're going to have to limit their hours because guess what? Their employees going to have COVID because of the economy going down because of all the COVID cases. They're not going to shut the country down as they should. They should shut travel down. I mean, travel shutting itself down, right? 
So Biden told those people, hey, listen, y'all need to limit international travel. You got this Omicron variant in uh, in Africa and in certain parts of Europe. So listen, let's shut this down and let's not do any international travel. Who? Delta Airlines, American Airlines. Uh-uh, we're going to monitor everything closely and we're not going to shut everything down. Guess what happened? Their pilots got COVID and now they're forced they to shut, shut it down. down. Yeah, they're forced to shut it down. And so that is what's happening right now is that things are being forced to shut down because their employees have COVID. But that's unfortunate because things are going to try to maneuver and keep going like it's, you know, like it's going now. And it's just going to be this like trickle down effect of people reinfecting themselves. You know, people think, oh, I got COVID already. I got it over with. You can get COVID again, especially another variant. And the longer we're exposed like this, the more the virus replicates and there will be another variant that comes. It, It will be. Now, the question is, is the next variant going to be as deadly. Now, Omicron doesn't seem as deadly, but it seems more infectious than Delta. But who knows if the next variant comes, it could be more deadly. I mean, we don't know. So, um, so I'm not, you know, I'm being Debbie Downer. Let me stop. I'm in my feelings right now. I just had this 39th birthday. I'm like, uh, I'm just hopeless because the country is like not doing what they're supposed to do. And everybody's being real selfish. And I'm like, we're depending on everybody else to get their acts together to not infect everybody else. And it's just... <sighs> there are too many conspiracy theories floating around. I'm like, oh my God, what happened to the, what happened when people actually listened and said, oh, okay, well, this is what's recommended. I'm going to get vaccinated. Like polio came, you got vaccinated. You didn't want to have your kids with a limp. You got vaccinated. Right. It's Mm-mm. too much freedom. That's what I think. I think that we should have certain freedoms, but I think that when it comes to, I will say community freedom, sometimes freedom isn't necessary. Sometimes you just have to do what's best for the greater good. That's just my opinion. I'm sure someone will say that I'm a communist. Right. I'm like, then then with China. Let's talk about back to your birthday. We are going to travel wherever the travel ban is not, where they have minimal COVID cases. And we're going to be on some exclusive island somewhere. So we don't have to be worried about who has COVID and who doesn't. Everyone will be vaccinated and tested. And we will spend two weeks there and enjoy your 40th birthday. We are not about to be stuck in the house well, you turn 40. It's just not going to happen. It's not happening. I'm going to claim that. I'm going to claim that. And so I'll have to ask for suggestions of where we should go for the birthday turn up. Yeah, maybe I'll ask for suggestions. That'll be good. Yeah, I'm telling you, I have like five of them off the top of my head, but I'll save them for when you ask the people. See okay. What come up with and then I'll give you some. Save them from when I ask the people. Okay. Okay. So, Janine, how has your week been? I mean, once I started feeling a little bit better, it was good. The first half of the week, I really, like, I asked Ken every day, I said, do you feel sick yet? Because I just knew that I had COVID. Like, I had been tested, came back negative, got tested again, came back negative. But in my mind, I was like, how can one be this sick and it not be something called COVID, right? Because I had never, like, I've had pneumonia before. I've had the flu before. I have never felt this sick a day in my life. The best way that I have to describe it is like a wind-up toy. Like it would wind me up and I would feel like I had energy at the beginning of the day. And then like somewhere a couple of hours later, I'm not even talking like getting to noon. I'm talking like if I woke up at nine o'clock by like 11, I was beat exhausted like I had been running a marathon all day. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. So a couple of days ago, what was it? Christmas Eve, as a matter of fact. I did some last minute shopping and I came home and I was like, I'm going to take a nap. Like Ken and my father were going somewhere. They were running last minute errands. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a nap. 
and I laid down and it felt like I was drowning. Like that's the best way that I have to describe it. When I laid down, it felt like I had inhaled water. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. So I popped up and I was like, just get yourself to urgent care because I wasn't about to sit in the ER. I don't care how bad I felt. I wasn't about to sit in the ER on Christmas Eve. So I got to urgent care or patient first, whatever. And when I got there, they gave me another COVID test and made me sit in the waiting room. They wouldn't even treat me until they got the results back from my COVID test. So they made me sit back in the lobby and they were like, well, you don't have COVID, but here, come in this room. You're going to get a breathing treatment. They told me that I have pneumonia, which you have now taught me that probably because I had the flu first. And yeah, so since then, I think I've felt a little bit better, but I still don't have much energy. Like I spend most of the day doing like minimal stuff like on the computer or, you know, watching TV or reading a book or something like that. Like I haven't been like up and about moving around, you know. Which is good because what y'all don't realize is Janine is such a busybody. She don't sit down. And so I'm 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 actually glad you were forced to sit your life down. <laughs> I'm very glad that you were. Because running around not resting, not hydrating, it would have just made this linger on. And you don't sound like a man this week, girl. So I'm glad that you're back. Yay! I'm so excited because whew. but again, let me tell you something. This week I've learned of at least eight friends, like friends, friends, not even people that I work with that have COVID. And it's like, when I tell you it's scary, like, you know, people's holiday parties have been canceled that they were like, you know, vaccine only. And, you know, unfortunately, even if you have a vaccine, if you test positive for COVID, it's done. So people's holiday parties got canceled. Some people couldn't, weren't able to come home because, you know, what we were doing at the beginning of COVID where they were having Christmas where the person with COVID was still outside and they're kind of like talking to them from outside the door. A lot of people tested positive and it was, it only has been within the last couple of weeks. Thank you. Thanksgiving is all I have to say. Oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. It's like, it's funny how there are two major holidays, like within a month of each other, like boom, boom, two major holidays. So, and COVID just was like, well, I need to fit in there somewhere. COVID is an opportunist. That's all. All right, y'all. I promise we ain't talking about COVID this episode. So, so Johnny, what's on your timeline? So this one is a little bit different because I've kind of been unplugged this week. So this one doesn't come from my timeline, so to speak, but rather some things that I've been reading offline. And I thought it was appropriate because this time of year is when we reflect on the year past and look ahead to the new year and what we would like to see, you know, come of the new year. And oftentimes we make resolutions at this time of year. They tend to focus on the bad habits that we're trying to get rid of and the good habits that we want to adapt into our routine. But these New Year's resolutions, I don't understand how New Year's resolutions have been going on for so long and we still haven't figured out how to master them. But I digress. So it takes between 18 and 254 days. I know that sounds like a long time, but that's not even a year. 254 days to form a new habit with the average being about 66 days. But usually by mid-January, our New Year's resolutions are out the window. They're gone. So again, they say like 80% of New Year's resolutions are broken. I would venture to say 100% of New Year's resolutions are broken because we don't really stick to anything, especially in this country. But I digress. So this age-old tradition 
is just a thing that I guess we are so accustomed to that we kind of just keep giving it a try every year. But my question is, why are we always breaking our New Year's resolution? So I kind of was delving into it, not intentionally, just kind of based on some things that I was reading. So because we are living our lives so fast, like you said, I'm a busybody. I'm always doing something into something. Because we are living our lives so fast, we kind of live our life on autopilot and we don't take the time to be mindful of what's happening in our lives every single day. And we don't take the time to be mindful of our intentional actions versus things that have just become routine. And then we don't really focus on how our actions and the things that go on in our lives really affect us. And it kind of goes back to the reason that we started this podcast. We don't really think about that. We don't talk about it. We just kind of just keep moving because there's something else that has to get done. So we're going to talk about that real quick. We're going to think and become more mindful about the things that we're doing, the things that we've kind of put on autopilot, and the things that we need to maybe let go of, and how our actions are affecting others, but more importantly, how they're affecting us and our mental and emotional well-being. So I read this article by Hallie Levine, and the article is entitled, The Ultimate New Year's Resolution and Why a Mindfulness Practice is the Only Commitment You Really Need. So in the article, it talks about how often we have all of these lofty goals and aspirations, but they often kind of get stuck in our head. Like they're an idea, like, you know, we want to make this kind of money or move or buy a new car, new house or whatever it is that we're looking for but they're kind of in our head with no real action plan or actual goal. It's more like just something that we saw and we wanted to attain. So the article goes on to talk about how being mindful will help you turn those thoughts into real and intentional actions. So mindfulness helps you take the thought out of your head and turn them into tangible action items. So simply by thinking just a second longer and asking yourself the why and the how, it kind of gives you an action plan. So for example, the traditional New Year's resolution is, I want to lose weight. Well, let's break that down in a mindful terms, right? Why do you want to lose weight? Well, I want to lose weight so that I can look and feel better in my clothing. And I'd like to lose weight so that I can be healthier, So ultimately, when you break it down, you're breaking it down to you want a better quality of life because you want to look better in your clothing and you want to feel better in your clothing and you want a longer quantity of life because you'd like to live a healthier life and then in turn, hopefully you live longer. So a mindfulness practice would take the idea and deduce it to the most simple goals and then ask yourself the how. And the how is the method that you use to achieve those goals. So by being mindful, you would think, okay, well, yeah, I wanna lose weight. How am I gonna do that? Well, you don't say I'm gonna lose 50 pounds by tomorrow because that's silly and it's unrealistic and you're putting extra undue pressure on yourself. What you think about is what do I like to eat? What do I actually enjoy eating? How do I feel when I'm eating it? And usually when you ask yourself those things, it will direct you in the path of the more healthier foods rather than the fast foods or the things that we eat that have a ton of sugar. So if you think about how you feel before you eat the food, you generally feel hungry. That's how most people feel before they eat or sad or upset if they're emotional eaters. And then you think of once you eat the food, does it make you feel better? Do you feel full? Do you feel satisfied? Was it tasty? Was it tantalizing or was it just okay? 
if it was just okay and you kind of feel sluggish and lethargic after you eat the food, maybe you should stay away from that. But unless you actually think about those things, you probably miss that whole interaction with your brain and food because you're just eating because it's what you're used to doing. Then let's talk about activity. So a lot of people think, well, I'm going to work out 10 times a day or run six miles or 10 miles or however. And if that's not you and that's not your personality, then that's not a sustainable goal. So some people like to have dedicated workouts and other people like to just incorporate activity into their daily life. One of the things that I've noticed since I started my new job, there's a lot more walking. Well, unintentionally, I lost five pounds and I was like, wow, I didn't even have to try. And I don't mind it because I'm already walking, doing the work. And it's not something that I had to think about. Now, that's not always going to happen. Everyone does not have a job where they are as active. But my saying this is if you would rather incorporate activity into your daily life rather than it being a dedicated activity to focus on working out, that could help the way that your body responds to the activity. And then also thinking about how did you feel before you did the activity and how did you feel after? Do you feel more refreshed? Do you feel more energized? Being mindful and tuned in to your body when it's happening. Okay, so let's go past this. Finding out why and how helps you set small attainable goals so that you're able to achieve the things that you're ultimately valuing. So the ultimate value is I'd like to feel good in my clothes look good in my clothes and be healthier so I can live longer. And if you create small attainable goals, like I'm going to eat things that don't make me feel as lethargic or don't make me feel sluggish. And I'm going to be more active of things that I actually enjoy doing. Maybe taking a walk. Maybe I don't enjoy running miles, but maybe I can take an extra walk. Maybe I like playing with puppies. Maybe I can walk dogs, whatever it is, something that you actually like doing that you can sustain for long periods of time. Little by little will help you achieve the ultimate goal that you're trying to achieve. So I'm currently reading this book. Yes, it's an actual book, Nicole, an actual hardback book, not an ebook, not an audio book, like an actual hardback book, right? The book is by Antonio Neves and it's called Stop Living on Autopilot, Take Responsibility for Your Life and Rediscover a Bolder, Happier You. And in the book, Antonio talks about how a lot of us are outwardly meeting expectations. We are meeting and exceeding expectations. We have the great job. You know, we're climbing the corporate ladder. We have the cute, happy family. We have the cars that we want, the houses that we want. On paper, when people Google us, we look amazing. We look like we have it all together. But much like social media, that's only telling part of the story. Because a lot of people who are meeting and exceeding expectations have an inner turmoil. And the turmoil kind of sounds something like, well, have I missed my prime? Have I, is it too late to start this? Is it too late to follow my dreams? Did I make the wrong decisions here? It's a turmoil that we constantly go through re-evaluating and, and kind of like honestly bashing ourselves to say like, okay, this is great, but I'm still not happy here. I say that to say, I'd like us to enter into this new year and give ourselves some grace, right? Because the last two years have been very difficult. We thought 2020 was hard, but 2020 proved to be, 2021, I should say, proved to be even more difficult, to be very honest. It was, we're ready to be out of this pandemic. People are still passing away. Things are still happening. And now people are not as mentally and emotionally stable as they were because they've been cooped up in the house. So things just started going even more haywire. So in 2022, I'd like for us to give ourselves some grace. 
I'd like us to realize that we are really kicking ass and taking names. We really are. Like, we've made it through two years of a pandemic. There are not many people in the history of the world that have made it through a pandemic. So pat yourselves on the back for making it through a pandemic. And we are still achieving our goals. So let's be okay with the fact that we're doing a good job and understand that we're still getting new jobs. We're still buying new houses. We're still buying new cars. We're still getting our children into the best schools and social clubs. We are still doing our thing. And it's okay that we have some some self-doubt, but let's not let that self-doubt take over. Let's also check in with ourselves and see how we feel. Let's be mindful with the way that we feel. So we can achieve all of these amazing things and be amazing people and still not feel whole. So let's check in and see the things that we actually enjoy doing. And some of the things that maybe we're just doing them because they're tradition or practice or things that we're used to doing. And let's set realistic goals for ourselves. Because we have to be honest. We are still human. We're not machines. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. So let's set realistic goals for ourselves. And let's stop doing things because we've always done them. Or stop doing things because we think it's what we're supposed to do. And let's be more intentional with our thoughts and our practices. And be intentional about doing the things that make us happy and whole. What do you think, Nicole? I think that sounds like a fantastic book. Um, I will say, um, I think that it's a, a great time. It's always a great time toward the end of the year, beginning of the new year to reflect and figure out what you're going to do. But I know we had a, a guest who you, who was a sex therapist on the show a while back that kept reminding us during the show that it's a pandemic. And although that show was a while ago, it's still a pandemic. So um, do give yourself grace. I mean, if you don't know exactly what you want to do in 2020, that's okay. If you don't know what you want to do in 2023, that's okay too. Um, if just living a better version of yourself is your resolution, that's fine too. But I think that um, what I would add to what you said, because everything you've said is great, is this year, let's not compare ourselves to other people when we're setting our goals. You know, we, we tend to do that. And 2021, see how I merged that all together? It's all one year, 2020 and 21, 2020, 21, okay? Those two years squished together, I mean, they were a hot mess. And social media, especially like TikTok and Instagram and all these things that are taking off and getting your attention that otherwise probably wouldn't have had your attention pre, uh, attention pre-pandemic cast people in the light that they want to cast. So everybody is married with two and a half children and a dog and the best job of their lives and they're TikToking and jiving and letting you see that their family is amazing when in all reality they're on the verge of divorce and the dog just died and they lost a job okay nobody is going to show you the bad stuff that's out there so just take what you see on social media with a grain of salt and your goals are your goals okay express them to people who care so that you speak them into existence but the haters you're just gonna have to Set your goals and let them see your goals be achieved after you achieve them, okay? So let's not do this whole comparison thing in, in 2022. Let's 
You focus on you. Okay. Where about your business? You and what makes you happy? Because what makes you happy is not necessarily going to make the next person happy. How your marriage works is not necessarily how my marriage works. Okay. Everybody's different. What your kids do, not what going to be what other everybody else's kids do. Okay. Your kid may be great in sports. My kid can read good. Okay. So like, don't compare, don't compare those things. Like let's, let's stop that. Okay. With, uh, with the goal setting, but I think it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic read. I'll have to get my hands on it and read it as well. I'll send it to you. Thank you, boo. So, uh, you ready to talk through these goal setting new year's resolution letters from our listeners? Go ahead. Let's do it. This one's pretty straightforward. It's from Monica. And she says, Nicole and Janine, my 21 year old daughter is so unmotivated and I don't know what to do. She was an above average high school student, but wasn't a good fit for college. So she dropped out after her freshman year at Jackson State and moved back home. She said she would get a job, but it's been a year and a half now and she's only worked one temporary job. She now wants to move out and wants me to help her get her own apartment for the new year. She says that in 2022, she wants to be more of an independent woman. But how can I really help her do that? How can I motivate my daughter to set some goals for herself and get a job or finish her education? I'm going to say what my parents told me. You got two options in this house. You either go to school or you go to the military and or get a job. Meaning the military and or getting a job was one option. Or you go to school was the other option. I feel like you need to give Monica, I think her name, you said her name was Monica. Monica, you need to give your daughter those same options. Because what we're not about to do is say school is not the right fit for me, which it's not the right fit for everyone. So let's make that clear. Everyone is not meant to be a college graduate. Some people are just better at trade or creativity or things like that. Like books are not everyone's strong suit. But what you're not about to do is say you want to be independent, but you don't have a means to make yourself independent. Being independent does not mean that you live on your own on my dime. Being independent means you live on your own on your own dime. And what it sounds like is your daughter left Jackson State, decided that she wanted to be whatever it is that she wanted to be. I don't remember. But she's worked the attempt job, but she hasn't followed through with that. If she has not already started following through with work, I would venture to say it's not likely that she'll be able to follow through with maintaining the bills at an apartment with the electricity and the gas and all the other things that you have to pay with the rent and the cable and all, and yada, yada, yada. The bills that you don't expect when you're a child and you think, oh, it's, it's easy. I can do this until you have to do it. And you're like, I'm just working to pay bills. I say give her those same options that my parents gave me. You either go out and find you a good job or you go back to school. Now, my parents, they would pay and help me as long as I was in school because that was the trade-off. Now, when I wasn't in school anymore, I had to get a job and make sure that I could sustain myself. And I know that we're in this generation now because, Nicole, you and I are part of the same generation that we don't want to do something that's not fulfilling for us. We're not about to be out here flipping burgers or taking a good government job just because we get a paycheck at the end of the week. Money is not our motivation. Happiness tends to motivate us a lot more than prior generations, right? But you know what makes you unhappy? Being broke. I tell my husband all the time, I'm allergic to being poor. And I'm going to tell you why. There's too much that I want. There's too much that I've seen. And there's too much that I know is out here for me to get, to, for me to, to have access to. And I am too intelligent 
to not use the brain that God gave me to make some money. And if I'm not making money on the brain that God gave me, I'm doing something wrong. And that's why I say I'm allergic to being poor. Now, granted, I'm not ignorant of the fact that circumstances could change and you never know what tomorrow will hold. So I'm not saying that I will never be poor. What I'm saying is I'm not striving for that, right? I'm going to always strive to make another dollar, to make another experience, to learn another, an, another something so that I can expand my horizons. And I would encourage you to encourage your daughter to do the same. We don't want her out here saying, well, I don't want to do this because that doesn't make me happy. Well, it's also not going to make you happy to not have a place to stay because it's only a certain amount of time based on the way that you wrote this letter that you sound like you're going to be willing to put up with this. So your daughter needs to figure out what it is that she's going to do to, to sustain herself. Even if it's not, she's not living in the lap of luxury. She needs to figure out what she's going to do to sustain herself so she can get off your purse strings. What you think, Nicole? I agree with what you said, um, but I would add, you know, it sounds like mama trying to live her best life too, right? You got an adult woman in your house that's not working. She wants to be independent and she says 2022 is about being Miss Independent, right? But that means she has her own bag too, okay? So what I would do, if you really want her out your house, I would say, hey, let's come up with a plan, okay? I will loan you the money for your down payment on your apartment and your first month's rent if you have a job and you have to pay me back over the six months. So what is your plan to make sure you can afford your job plus save a little bit to the side to pay me back a certain portion of this money every month until you've paid it off for six months? What? How are you doing that? Okay. So if she has a plan, if she plans to get a job, I would encourage her, hey, get a job, save up your money for a couple months, and then you can put that towards your new apartment because you're going to have to have the following things. You're going to have to have furniture. You got to your utilities on you're gonna have to have gas in your car do you even have a car you might need to get a car you need to make sure you can get to and from work so i will help you front the cost of the startup of your down payment and your first month's rent but you have to have the other things and you have to have a plan to pay me back okay that may require you working overtime that may mean you can't shop and buy a new outfit every time you want to go out that may mean you're not going out because you have to sacrifice these things in order to be independent this is what grown women do and if she can't come to terms with those with the plan or can't come up with the plan then we have to give a little bit of tough love to make her uncomfortable, okay? Because you telling her no and her staying in the house, she's like, well, I guess I'll just go to my room and watch TV and do my TikToks and have my boyfriend over here, right? No, 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 no. You want to be a child? You will act as a child, okay? So that means that you're going to have some chores around the house. You ain't going to have no TV in the room. You're going to have a curfew. And after that, after your curfew, you locked out, okay? If you don't like it, then you need to do something to devise a plan to get on up out of here. So for me, I would make it very uncomfortable for her to stay in the same situation. That may be the motivation she needs to get out of your house and get a job. Now, you don't want to press her too much because you don't want her moving out and being with some boy that's going to abuse her or being with some raggedy friends that's going to you know, turn on the drugs or anything. So I get it, but you do need to initially come up with a plan or tell her to come up with a plan because you want to help her. You're not saying you're not helping her. Help her, but you need to let her know that the help doesn't come for free. She's going to have to pay you back. That's what being independent is all about, okay? And I would see, what, what does your plan look like? Does it look like going to school? What do you want to be doing 10 years from now? 
And if what you want to be doing 10 years from now requires a college degree, then when in this plan are you planning to go back to school? Plan mama. You can't just sit there and expect for her to all of a sudden become motivated if she's an unmotivated child. So you have to make her have a plan to get out your house. Yeah. I'm I'm here for the I, you're always nicer than me. I'm not loaning you a dime. <laughs> not loaning you anything. I will give you money if you're in school, but I'm not loaning you a thing. And I'm gonna tell you why. I'll but she's not in school. So. And she's not working either. If she were working and had some work history, I might consider loaning the money, right? But I said if she once she gets a job and she's employed for a couple months and she saves her money, then you can loan her the money to get her out of your house. She but can't walk like around her house naked no more. Period, right? Like that's it like is. 90 days. But then who's to say at 90 day, day 91, she's not going to quit that job and take your money and be like, sorry, mom, Kate. That's back. on her. That's that's on her. Listen, she just has to show that she has income. I'm not co-signing it. I'm not co-signing her apartment. Okay. She gonna have to, I can give you the money, but I'm not co-signing. You got a job. You can put your place of employment down. You put your income down. I'm not co-signing nothing. Got it. And I, I would tell any parent, don't co-sign nothing. Unless it's a student loan. And I don't really think you should co-sign those either. Make them kids take out their own student loans. I said what I said. Make mm. them take out their own student loans. You gonna okay? have these kids in debt forever, Nicole. I don't care. The parents should not be in debt over these students. Because what happens when, when it's your, listen, I got my own student loans. I'm making my own student loan payments. And guess what? When I think about, I'm not going to go to that job. They didn't piss me off. I think about them student loans and I say, I'm not going to do that. I got to pay my student loans. I got to get me another job before I quit this job because I got the student loans. Now, if the student loans were in somebody else's name, they're not on my credit. I don't have to worry about that. I'll be like, well, I'll pay mama back when I can pay her back. Move it on because I don't need that because I, I don't, that's not in my debt to income ratio. I'm not really worried about that. Mm-hmm. Y'all better make these students take out their own student loans. Listen, I'm all about parents making sure their kids are prepared. And if you can pay the cash up front for your kids, that's fine. And if you, I always say, and we had a whole, there was a whole pregnancy pros uh, episode on this, like making sure your kids are set up for financial success. Yes, you should be starting college funds and things like that when your kids are less than age five, okay? But let's say that college costs too much money, okay? Or you haven't started it. Make them take out their own loans. I said it. Make them take out their own loans because when they get those refund checks, it's going to hit different, okay? And when they looking for a job, they they understand they only got a six months grade period. They got to start paying back the student loans. I'm not saying you can't help them pay the student loans back, but I just I'm a firm believer that it should be on you. Okay, if you can pay some up front and help them through their education, that's great. But parents mortgaging their houses to make their make sure their kids have student loans, and then the kids drop out of college or they don't finish school. Uh 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 uh. No, we didn't do a whole episode on that. Who should take out the student loans? But I am very much in agreement that the child should take their own student loans out. That's true. I agree. I feel like now I was I was blessed that my parents took out some student loans, but the student loans are in my name. They just help pay back. Which is fine, but they shouldn't be in the parents' name. Let me tell you, when Harrison Plenty goes to college... The loan Guess who's not gonna have no other other loans? Once I pay my loans off, I ain't paying nobody else to. Uh, uh-uh. 
uh-uh. You have to pay your own student loans out. Thankfully, I might give you some. He will have a college fund, so he, he does have. A, listen, he does have a college fund. He he very much so does. I believe it's my responsibility to set him up for financial success. But once you get there, if it's more than what I budgeted, and you want to go to a school that costs more than what's in our budget, it's on you, player. You can do that, but that's on you. That's true. Look, I'm here for it. Look, parents, their role. Monica, your role was to make sure that your daughter got out of high school and into college. And you did that. She got into Jackson State. She said it wasn't for her. So she now needs to regroup and redirect. And if you are like Nicole and you're nice, you can loan her some money. If you're like me, I'm with the second part of what Nicole said. Just make her uncomfortable. When you make her uncomfortable enough, she'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. I promise you, she'll figure it out. We've all been there. Maybe not to this extent, but we've all been there where we're like, eh, we kind of rest on our laurels and we feel like, oh, okay, this is easy, easy going. Mm-mm. Something comes and shakes it up and not, not all of a sudden we're uncomfortable. We get it together. Trust me. She'll get it together. Make her a little squeamish real quick. She'll be mm-hmm. fine. All right, Janine, what is your letter? Okay, so my letter says, ladies, I just want to say I love the podcast. I listen every week and my friends and I have brunch to discuss what was talked about on the podcast. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. So I'm writing for two reasons. First, are you all having a vision board party again this year? Second, I need a bit of advice. And then it has the covering eyes monkey emoji. This past year, I did a great deal of soul searching. I divorced my husband after 15 years of marriage. I moved across the country to Arizona and opened up a spa and essentially started my life over. Spa ownership is far from the by the hour billing Manhattan attorney life that I left behind. While I initially was happy with my decision, I'm now bored. The crazy thing is I don't really miss any of my friends or family because I see them. I think I just missed the rat race. The problem is, I don't know what I'm missing or what I'm looking for. Ladies, did I make a poor decision and should I go back to practicing law? Sheila. All right, Sheila girl. Yes, uh, I feel like we definitely need another vision board party. And I think that we should probably do it sometime at the end of January. But we will, you know, honestly, we haven't thought that far, but we will. We will, we will think about that, but because I was thinking about a vision board party, um, seriously, literally today. But, uh, but yes, we will do a vision board party. I just don't know when yet. So that's number one. Number two, Sheila, thank you so much for listening, girl, and having brunch, whether it's virtual or in person with your girlfriends to talk about it. Yeah, girl, I love it. Number three, did you make a bad decision? You seem to be a brilliant person, right? That's not too many people that can go from practicing law to open up a spa in Arizona at that part, at that place. I mean, Arizona is a pretty competitive place to have a spa and you're bored. So that means that you probably are successful because people that are like not successful aren't bored. They're trying to figure out how to be successful. They're staying up really late nights trying to figure out how to market and advertise. So that's not your situation. Maybe we should meet up and have the spa, the, uh, have, have the vision board party at your spa. So what kind of spa is this? Like, let me know what, where are we coming? Okay. Maybe we can, maybe not the vision board party. Maybe we can do something in the summer. 
let us know what kind of spa you have so we can make plans to come and visit, okay? But um, no, I don't think that you made a poor decision. I think that you made the decision that was right for you at the time. And at the time, you were tired of practicing law. Law can be very stressful, okay? And I don't know what kind of law you practice, but that is a very stressful job. And it is a rat race, okay? And sometimes when you're used to being busy, 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 and then you slow down and you take a more relaxed role, although a lot of people would argue being a business owner is not a more relaxed role, it can feel like, oh, am I missing something? Am I doing something you know, wrong? I would say if your spa is flourishing, take a break for a second. Like really sit back and enjoy what you've done. And at the end of the day, if you're like, I really miss law, then could you go back to Manhattan and practice law there? you can. You can get somebody to run the spa. You can check in on remotely. Even if you wanted to work part-time law, you can. And I and I say going back to Manhattan because I know that was a super hard bar. Okay. I don't know if the Arizona bar is some kind of way grandfathered in with the like New York bar. I don't know. Okay. But I know that that's a hard bar. Okay. So that's why I say you could go back and practice at least part-time and oversee your spa in Arizona at the same time. Or you could get barred in Arizona and start a practice in Arizona. That would be a little bit of a challenge for you, um, something to do if you really miss law. Now, practicing law in Arizona may have a different pace than practicing law in Manhattan, though. But with you practicing law and having a spot at the same time, that may be enough to keep you busy. And then you could always get something else to keep you busier. What's your personal life look like, Sheila? We got You got divorced. But we got another boo because sometimes the, you know, the chaos of going through the motions of getting divorced can be overwhelming. And then once you get it over with, you're like, Ooh, I'm no longer arguing. I'm no longer negotiating. I have more time on my hands. I'm bored. But that's because that piece of your life is empty. Perhaps you should start dating again. Maybe not even seriously, but me, hey, get on social media, get on a dating app, you know, that can entertain you a little bit more. I would say, you know, perhaps, you know, mingling a little bit before you decide to up up chunk your life and go back to Manhattan or take on a whole different job and responsibility in um, Arizona. See if it's just that you're having a void that needs to be filled um, in your social life, because that can be a lot of it if you are now by yourself. What do you think, Jenny? I think there's a reason that you moved from Manhattan to Arizona. Manhattan is known for the rat race. It is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Something is going on, especially as an attorney. You are on. You're constantly on. There's no off button. It's New York. That's what happens. That's why people go to New York. They find themselves in New York or find out what they're not ready for in New York, right? I'm assuming that you said that since you were married to your husband for 15 years, that you were in New York for quite some time if you were if you did not live there the majority of your life. You went from New York. You didn't go to D.C. You didn't go to Philadelphia. You didn't go to Baltimore. You went across the country to Arizona. There's a reason that you did that. There was something inside of you that you took the time to listen to in your quiet time that told you you needed to go to Arizona and do something that's so vastly different from what you did before. You went from being an attorney arguing with people all day for a living to make money, great money, to being an owner of a spa where people go to be serene. So I think that we need to revisit what the space you were in when you made the decision to leave Manhattan and leave attorney life and go be a spa owner. As Nicole said, it's evident to us that you're successful because you wouldn't be bored if you weren't successful. 
And you said that you don't miss your friends and family because you see them regularly. So let's figure out what the what noise is it that you're missing or you think you're missing. And really, are you missing the noise? Or is this the first time that you haven't had every moment of your life programmed? If this is if this is because you don't have every moment of your life programmed, then maybe you just need to reconnect with yourself. Maybe this is the chance to reconnect with yourself. Not having to be worried about a husband. You, you didn't say whether you had kids or not, but not having to be worried about kids, not having to be worried about clients, not having to be worried about anything except for this spa business, which seems to be going pretty well. So if that's the case, find a hobby. Find something that you enjoy doing. Discover who you are at this phase of your life. You don't need to necessarily go back to practicing law. I don't necessarily think that that's what you're that's what you're looking for, right? I think that that's what you would be comfortable with because that's what you're familiar with. But I don't think that that's what you need. What I think you need is to reevaluate who you are. Who is Sheila? Who is Sheila at this point in Sheila's life? And what does Sheila like? Does Sheila have hobbies? Does she like would she like to meet new friends? Would she like to discover some new hobbies? Is there something that she's always wanted to do that she never had a chance to do? You can start again as you have. So start again and not just with your career choice, but what you like to do in your free time. Now that you have free time, it, it sounds, it seems foreign to you. It seems like you don't quite know what to do with it. But now that you have free time, enjoy it and find some things to do to fill that free time that's not work. I would venture to say that when you find what you like to do in your free time, your actual free time that's not work, you won't be bored. You will have a group of friends and maybe even create a new community that you didn't even know was out there. So so stick with what you're stick with the direction that you're going. I wouldn't suggest going back to law. Stick with the direction that you're going and rediscover Sheila. I think it's a great time to rediscover Sheila. Let me say this. Let me tell you what happened to Sheila. Sheila got a divorce. She was overwhelmed. She was running from that man. His, uh, Her in-laws, all the drama that came, she said, I'm going to move far, far away and I'm going to open a spa so that I can relax and help other people relax and I'm not going to see those stressed out people again. And so I'm going to be here in Arizona with nobody else and not going to be stressed out and I can go visit people when I want to visit them, but I don't have to visit them because it's COVID, so I'm going to make an excuse not to visit them. So that is what Sheila did. So Sheila may actually be love practicing law. She may love it. And if that's your passion, don't lose your passion because this man didn't ran you out of town. Okay. But if it's not, girl, get you a new boo. Go somewhere, relax. Get your new boo and get a hobby with the new boo, like Janine said. But you a new boo will help you forget about the old boo. Just saying. Just saying. And take lots of pictures for the gram. So, you, so we can see your sizzle reel, Sheila, because we want to see it. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And don't let no man run you out of town, girl. Just saying. But congratulations on your, on your spa. Yeah. We want to know where it's at. Please write us and tell us where the spa is. Please. We'll come visit. <laughs> All right, Janine. So what did you learn new this week? So in the article that I read, there was a doctor, Dr. Greg Hammer, Um, And he created a GAIN method, G-A-I-N method. And the GAIN method is to promote well-being in mindfulness. So GAIN stands for gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. So gratitude is a daily daily contemplation of the things that you truly are grateful for. So 
the things in your life that you may take for granted, just taking a moment to be grateful for them. Acceptance, you know, the serenity prayer, accepting the things that you can't change, the courage to change the things that you can, and the the wisdom to know the difference. So the things that you can't change, accept them. Don't make yourself crazy trying to change things that you don't have control over. Intention. So Dr. Hammer said that our brain is wired to be like to have a negative bias, right? And the best way to combat that is to intentionally focus on the good things. So he suggests thinking of three things good that has happened each day and it will help you rewire your brain for happiness as opposed to pessimism and non-judgment and non-judgment kind of goes along with acceptance and it's accepting things without judgment. And so the intention is that you stop judging others for actions that you don't know and you stop judging yourself by comparison. So that's what I learned. The, the game method. The game method. Okay, so what I learned was that vision boards, although the concept of them that we didn't call them a vision board, they were along, around for a really long time, but actual vision board parties started to become popular in 2010. Okay, 2010. I didn't know that because I wasn't doing vision boards in 2010. I wasn't. Listen, I wasn't. I was in residency in that, at that time. And I know I wasn't doing a vision board, but whatever. And National Vision Board Day is the second Saturday in January. And it was submitted by Kellen Lutz and Ryan Daly in June of 2015 and became announced as a holiday the following month in July of 2015. So it's always the second Saturday in January. So this year or the 2022 is January 8th. That's National Vision Board Day. Think we can get a vision board party by then? Mm, we can try. Let's not we hold can ourselves try. to it. We can be mindful that we would like to have a vision board party by then. Let's see. Let's see what the people yeah, think. Let's just we'll see. ask them. So Janine, with all this goal setting, let's talk about like what our goals are going to be. And we don't have to talk about them in detail because obviously we have a vision board party. But what are a couple of goals that you'll be setting uh, for 2022? So I have three goals and not in any specific order, but these are the goals that I've been thinking about as I lead into 2022. And of course, one of them has to do with me having work-life balance. And I think I've mentioned that before. But the first one is to be kinder and more patient to others because this last two years have been difficult or these last two years have been difficult and you never know what people are going through and little things are making people snap. So just having a little bit more kindness, a little bit more patience and understanding that you I don't know how terrible someone's day could have been. I would also like to be more diligent about reading and specifically about reading the Bible and seeking God for the things that, for everything, not just the things that I feel like this is difficult and I need him for, but just everything. Just, you know, like, you know, what should I eat today? Maybe, you know, I need to seek him more diligently about those kinds of things. And then the last one, and like I said, these are not in any specific order, but being more open-minded to learn from everyone. So... I think that, you know, sometimes we get into this thought that only people who are smarter than us, like book smart, can teach us something. And the one thing that I have learned, not necessarily over the past few years, but throughout life, is that everyone can teach you something. No matter what their walk of life is, no matter how, what their level of education is, you can learn something from everyone. So those are the those are my goals. What are your, some of your goals this year? I like that. I really like that. All of your goals are like 
thought-provoking goals of, of being a better person, which is great, which is great. I'm trying. I need to work on it. I do. Well, my goals are very tangible. I'm a black and white go- girl. I'm a Capricorn, okay? Two heart, and I like to check the boxes. Absolutely. So um, so my first goal is to find a school for Harrison for next year. Like that is like my number one goal for this year is to make sure he's enrolled in a decent school. And then my number two goal is to pay down some of the student debt. So you know that the uh, the pause on the repayment got extended to May of 2022. I don't know why Biden won't just get rid of them things. Listen, if he got rid of them, I wouldn't even be mad because I've been aggressively paying them down over the past year. I wouldn't even be mad. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, I lost all my money. I'd be like, oh, okay, thank you, bro. I would not be mad. Like some people be like, I've already paid my loans off. I'd be mad if you forgave loans. Why? I have paid more more in loans than 85% of the country, okay? Because I have a lot of them. So if he decided to wipe the rest of them out, listen, I'm going to be mad. I won't, but I'm going to try to aggressively pay some down, especially before May. So I'm going to be like moving bonuses and things like that. And then the third, I want to do more public speaking. So I want to work on being more of a public speaking figure. So that's my goal for 2022. I love them. Okay. So I'm excited. I, I love school searches. So I'm super excited to figure out where you're going to send Harrison to school. So I love that. That's my thing. Like, I don't know if you knew that about me, but I like... I love. I did know that. <laughs> so I'm very interested to see that. And I'm super excited. I mean, the student loans, I figured you were going to handle that because I saw you post about it the other day and I was like, oh, thank, thank you for keeping on top of the student loan info. But I'm super, super excited about the public speaking. I'm here for this and I'm here to help you do it. So when I call you <laughs> and say, hey, here's the said speaking engagement. Don't ignore my call. Okay. I won't ignore your call. I won't ignore your call. But you know, it's funny because I see your eyes and I'm like, wait a minute, should I have said that? <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. It's recorded in history forever. All right, Janine. So you ready for the motivational moment? I am. Let's do it. So uh, the motivational moment comes from Edith Lovejoy Pierce. So she was like an early 1900s poet. And she said, we will open the book. Its pages are blank. We are going to put words on them ourselves. The book is called Opportunity, and its first chapter is New Year's Day. So make your story worth reading. Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production.